You're listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. We have peace with God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Discover more about this truth in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Today we're going to be going through the third installment of our series now the past perfect. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is our third installment. And the first two weeks we talked about uh, the pictures of the transaction of Jesus on the cross. These are some things that were revealed in the past that was made perfect through the life of Jesus Christ. And so week one, we talked about God being the perfect Redeemer. Everybody say Redeemer. And the picture of that is Jesus becoming the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We know that the story, the Passover, was very um, familiar with uh, Israelites. Uh, I think also we're familiar with, kind of familiar with that, the Passover. But practice-wise, you don't really practice it. But for the Israelites, the Jews, they know that every time they celebrate Passover, a sacrifice has got to be made for the forgiveness of the community of the Jews. And then last week, we talked about the great high priest, that Jesus Christ is the great high priest. He is our mediator. He is one who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, one who has been tempted in every way. Everybody say, every way, yet without sin. And how many of you know that Jesus is the only perfect human being that was born here on earth? How many of you know that the you and the person beside you, you're not perfect? Look at the person beside you and tell him or her, you are not perfect. But you're progressing to perfection. You're looking good, actually, okay? And so that's the work of Christ in us. We're not perfect. We're getting there. But you know, the perfect... Uh, Redeemer, the perfect uh, high priest or mediator was talked about last week. And today we're going to be looking at the perfect substitute. Okay, Substitution is actually one key doctrine that we need to understand in Christianity. Now, how many of you are familiar with the word substitute? Right? Maybe it's a math term for some, substitution. All right? Or maybe if you're going to school, if your teacher is absent, you get a substitute teacher, right? Or maybe if you're in sports, maybe basketball or volleyball, if you're tired or injured, or maybe if the coach has a different play, you have a sub or a substitute, okay? And so we're looking at, you know, what does this mean really when you look at the cross? What kind of substitution happened on that cross 2,000 years ago, and how is that relevant for us who are believers in the 21st century. Now, just to give us some examples of substitute, of course, uh, I think when you talk about Chinese, they are very good in making substitution, right? They're good in copying. In fact, uh, one of our uh, uh, key pastors actually this morning came here, and he ministered here at the 11 o'clock service. He's our founder uh, of For Every Nation. His son was with him, Wyatt, and his son, Wyatt, said and asked me, Pastor Ariel, uh, you know, I'd like to get a substitute or maybe a copycat watch in Green Hills. How do I get that? Okay, uh, He said he wanted to buy a Rolex just as a f- uh, present for one of his siblings. And so I said, okay, maybe you can go to Green Hills, but if you go and get those substitute watch or fake watches, you can use them for a week and hope for the best, okay? Because you don't know what will happen after one week. But anyway, you know, looking at some of the products that were made substitute in, in China. For example, you look at this product called, or this uh, uh, KFC, 
I mean, look at all the different variants or substitute of KFC. You have FBC, KFG, KLG, MFC, you know, and this, I don't know how their chicken tastes like, but these are like substitute to the original. Of course, uh, if you go in fashion, we're familiar with Dolce and Banana, okay? Um, very original, okay? They really are experts in doing substitutionary work or products, okay? Of course, you've got Boss, Hugo Boss, but they have BO88, BO88, leather, okay? I don't know about this sign of McDonald's. I think, how many arches do you have in McDonald's? Instead of two arches, they have three arches, uh, and so on and so forth, okay? If you're familiar with some chocolates, you've got Kit Kat, but they have their own version, Kicker, okay? And so, of course, if you talk about substitute, nothing replaces the original. Because the perfect substitute is the actual product itself. And so, I uh, just said all these examples to make a point that when you talk about sacrifices or pictures in the Old Testament, the, the high priest offering a lamb as a substitute for the sins of the people of Israel, they have to do it year after year because those Land of the blood of sheep and bulls and lamb is not enough to cover man's sin because there's only one perfect substitute. And who is that person? His name is Jesus. He is the only one who can satisfy the wrath of God. And this is where we see the grace at that cross. And I'm hoping and my prayer is that we will all get to have a fresh perspective of the cross of Jesus Christ today. I know that as Filipinos, we're so familiar with the cross we grew up seeing crosses all over. We go to church, we see the cross during Holy Week. We see a lot more crosses. And we see crucifixion happening. And so uh, my prayer is that we will get to appreciate what really happened 2,000 years ago at the cross when Jesus Christ gave His life for us. So I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 53. If you have the regular Bible, you may just go and turn it. In the middle, you'll hit Psalms, and then you turn right, you'll hit Proverbs, you'll hit Ecclesiastes, Song of Song, and then Isaiah. We'll go to Isaiah chapter 53. We'll be reading from verse 3 to 6, and then we will jump to verse 10. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's jump to verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Bow our and pray. Father, we are just so grateful for the fact that you did not wait for us to come to you, but you sent your own son, Jesus Christ, to 
to be sent as the ultimate supreme sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect priest, the perfect substitute. We thank you, Lord God, because of His sacrifice and His suffering on that cross, we have been set free. Lord, we thank you even today that you will give your people a fresh, new perspective, a greater insight of what it is that Jesus Christ went through at that cross. Lord, bless the preaching of your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you will give your people a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say, Amen. You may all be seated. Okay, allow me to just uh, maybe do a little bit of theology or introduction. I don't want to bore you with details, but I want us to have a greater appreciation of Isaiah. Now, I, I realize that maybe some of us, our favorite book in the Bible is the book of Psalm. How many of you, you love the book of Psalm? I mean, you read Psalm every day, or maybe you're reading the book of Proverbs, or maybe the New Testament. How many of you love the New Testament? Okay, story of Jesus. Of course, when you talk about the gospel, there are four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This Gospel is called gospel because it contains the story of Christ. His life, his death, and his resurrection are all written in these four books. But when you talk about the gospel, it's interesting to note that Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, had a different perspective of the gospel because he actually saw what was about to happen on the cross 700 years years before the actual birth of Christ. How many of you know that's amazing? He was a prophet, and God showed him. You know, it's, it's almost like he went inside IMAX, and he was seated at the front row, and he was actually putting on his 3D glasses. And what he was, what he was going through is that he's going through a front row experience, 3D, of what happened in Calvary on that particular day. And this is the description that he had. He was describing from that particular perspective. We know that Jesus Christ was scourged at the pillar, right? We know that they put thorns on his head, right? We know that he, they actually stripped him of his robe, right? I mean, these are some of the details that we know in the crucifixion account. In the Holy Week, in the last few days of Jesus leading to his death, we know exactly what happened. That he was beaten, that he was, uh, you know, that he was pierced on the side, but that he was actually, uh, they put nails on him on the cross. But that's actually from the perspective of on the outside. But somehow Isaiah was kind of like explaining this is what's happening spiritually as Jesus was going through that physically. Are you getting this? Some theologians would say that Isaiah 53 is actually the summit or the Mount Everest of the Bible. Because in this is situated the story of the gospel. Yes, we have the gospel in the New Testament, but really the story of redemption is not new to the Old Testament writers. Because God Himself was interested in revealing that already to the prophets even 700 years before the actual birth of Christ. And they were saying that, yes, God had a divine plan so that man can actually be saved from our sins. How many of you are glad that Jesus devised a way for us to be saved from our sins? Amen. No longer should man go to hell because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. And our response ought to be that of faith. Everybody say faith. Yes, Jesus Christ died for all men. I mean, that death is complete. The transaction is done. It's complete. But my question for us today is, will everybody be saved? 
His will is for everyone to repent and to get saved. But only those who will accept the free gift of eternal life will be saved. Many people know exactly what happened on that cross, but somehow they're still far from God because they don't want to, you know, to, re- to repent or to, to humble themselves and accept the fact that it's only through Christ that we can be saved and not by doing good works. And I hope that we get a fresh perspective of that. Gospel in its essence is what Charles Spurgeon has described this book in Isaiah. No passage in the Bible more clearly expresses the whys of Jesus going through that cross and dying for us. Some of the questions that we can ask is this. Why did Jesus have come to die? Have, have to come and die? Have you ever wondered that or asked that question? Maybe or maybe not. Have you ever wondered, you know, Lord, why did you have to come and become man like us and die on that cross? How many of you know that, you know, have you ever asked the question, uh, can God just forgive man from their sins and not exact payment anymore? That's the question, you know. God can actually just go and wipe our sins if He's really a forgiving God. Yes, He can do that, but how many of you know that not only is He a forgiving God, He is also a just God. That our sins have penalty. That because of the crime that we have committed, and all of us, because we have broken the law, because we have sinned before God, we actually have committed a crime eternally. You know, the, the little sins that you've done, that we have done, maybe it's a sin of, you know, lying, or a sin of stealing, or the sin of lust, or the sin of unforgiveness. I'm not harming anyone anyway. I'm the only one doing this anyway. Guess what? What we're committing is actually one that has eternal consequences. We think that our, our consequence or the payment for sin is only in this lifetime, but guess what? This sin can plunge men straight to hell. One sin. Everybody say one sin. One sin is enough to go and send a person straight to hell. But it's unfair, Pastor. I thought God is good. Yes, God is good. We're not done yet with the story, right? God is good that He did not end there. Yes, there is a situation. We are far from God. But if you look closely at this cross, I hope that we will have a proper understanding. We've read in Isaiah chapter 53, many of the Words or the pronouns that were used are actually personal pronouns. Our, us, we. Because of our griefs, because of our sorrows, we esteemed Him stricken. Our transgressions, our iniquities, His chastisement brought us peace. Do you see a pattern here? The pattern is this. It means that whatever happened on the cross did not just happen accidentally. There was a purpose. That what Jesus Christ did on the cross affects all of us. And He did that because of you and because of me. Jesus went to the cross simply because He wants to bless us with the gift of eternal life. That's exactly what happened on that cross. Amen? Come on, give the Lord praise. He did not just die a, a, a vain death. You know, I believe that he was not a victim of a murder. 
they did not take his life. He had to lay it down because no one can take his life. He had to give it. And that's exactly what he did. He gave his life for us. He laid it down. It was not forced. It was not an accident. The picture that we've read or the the picture that we've heard actually in the past two weeks was first, he is the lamb. And that's exactly what happened on that cross. There was a sacrifice. The picture of the sacrificial system is so familiar with the Jewish system. And that's exactly how God designed this to be. There's no other way. There's no plan B. There's only one redemption plan, and that's it. Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the great high priest, one who's actually able to mediate for us and one who's able to sympathize with our weakness. The past two weeks were actually a shadow or shadows of the actual transaction. Today, we're going to talk about the actual transaction itself, which is the crucifixion story and what happened on that cross. You know, we look at closely what exactly happened on that cross. Of course, we know that we have been separated from God because of sin. We know that sin always separates us from God. You know that, right? That we can never, by our own effort, approach God because of justice. You've heard of this word justice. Everybody hate justice. You know, justice is getting what we deserve. In the penal system perspective, once you committed a crime, you are guilty. Once a sin is done, there is a debt incurred. And once there is a debt incurred, the debt has to be paid. And that's exactly how the legal system is. And the, the, the picture of the legal system is actually the picture of scales. You know, and it should be a balanced scale. God abhors imbalanced scales or dishonest scales, the Bible says. And so justice is represented by having a balance. If you wrong someone, something will be demanded from you. A life for a life, a tooth for a tooth. That's exactly how the justice system is. And we serve a holy God. Since we failed and we you know, committed a debt, someone has got to pay for that debt. Imagine this. What if you, if, what if you just purchased one expensive phone? First time. Excited ka. Okay? iPhone 6 Plus. Okay? And you purchase it with your own you know, uh, toil and, you know, from, from your labor. And so, finally, you're able, you're excited opening the box and your daughter is also excited to see and take a look at the box. And so what happened was, when you opened the box, your daughter just grabbed the iPhone, run with it, and played with it, and threw it against the wall. And the iPhone went into 1,000 different places. What would you do aside from crying? <laughs> would you ask your daughter to pay for that? Okay, from here on, you will not get any allowance for the next 18 years. <laughs> Either that or you pay for it. Either way, someone will pay for the iPhone. If you choose to forgive your daughter, you just paid and covered that iPhone. That's the essence of justice. Debt has always got to be paid. Someone will always pay the debt. Someone will always pay the crime. And that's the way it is with the Holy God. If we committed a crime 
if we committed sin, guess what? He is holy and He will never condone sin. Tell the person beside you, Hulika. All of us have sinned. We have a problem. How many of you know that we have a problem? I mean, if we're going through the regular justice system in the Philippines or in the world's system of justice, guess what? We're without escape. We're going to be you know, put to jail or we're going to pay the penalty for our sins. Also, when you talk about justice, justice is also a way of making things right. That's why when Jesus was preaching to Zacchaeus, you know, Zacchaeus had a change of heart and he said, if I have wrong things, I will pay back what? Four times. So justice also requires restitution because it's a matter of making things right. And even in the eyes of God, you know, God, God has always used justice to serve the oppressed. We will see this in Isaiah uh, chapter 1, verse 17. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Jeremiah chapter 21, verse 12 says, This is what the Lord says. Administer justice every morning. Rescue from the hand of his oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Biblically, justice is God's saving action to work for all that are oppressed. That's how it goes. Yet, we are guilty of sin. The second word I want to focus is this word mercy. Everybody say mercy. If justice is getting things that we deserve, mercy is the opposite. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So if you're guilty with a crime and if mercy is given to you, guess what? You don't have to pay the penalty for that sin. You are given an amnesty, but definitely someone paid for that. Either the legal system paid for that, somebody paid for that. Okay? So in the world's way, for example, in the worldly justice, when you talk about a person who is guilty of a crime, if justice is, uh, if justice is met, then mercy is inhibited. Or if mercy is given, then justice is not done. In other words, you cannot put justice and mercy at the same time in an actual crime scene. Are you getting it? Or am I confusing you? You never see that. If justice is met, then there's no mercy. You go to jail. But if mercy is given, then there may be no justice. Because you have not paid your penalty for your debt. It's amazing that when you talk about grace, grace is receiving something that we do not deserve. And I believe that is the effect of the cross. In that cross, it is where justice and mercy and grace meet at the same time. Only in that particular place. And I hope that we get a greater appreciation that indeed justice was established on that cross. Someone paid the price. Somebody got away with the crime. Through mercy, how many of you know that that's you and me? And the grace of God was given to us in a sense that He did not just give us forgiveness, but He blessed us more in return. How many of you know that is a very good deal? God did not just forgive you of your sins. He did not just give us uh, freedom from the penalty of sins. He blessed us way beyond and abundant, beyond what we can ask or imagine or think. Amen. That's a good God we serve. Come on now. Give the Lord praise. He's amazing in all His ways. Justice, mercy, and grace meeting at that cross because of what Jesus Christ did. The need for a substitute is to, the purpose of that is to reconcile us back to God. I just have three quick points I want to share. 
what does Christ's suffering really mean to us? Very quick points coming from this uh, scripture from Isaiah chapter 53. First is, He took our pain. Everybody say, He took our pain. How many of you go, you know, have, so do have some pain from time to time? Sorrows, maybe griefs, maybe emotional pain. Anyone here who's gone, who's gone through emotional pain? Okay. You know, you got rejected. Got to break up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Maybe someone wronged you. Business-wise, you know, your partner did not really fulfill his part of the promise. Or maybe there's like, you know, there's a lot of things that we can go with. Pain is not just physical. Pain can be emotional. Now, I know, I know what, how many of you know what physical pain is all about? How many of you have had physical pain? From time to time, I have got attacks. At the age of 45, I started having this. It's because of age, I guess. Or it's because of my diet. Okay. But you know, I know how it is to be in pain. And I believe that all of us, you know, maybe some of you have a high threshold of pain. Some of you may not have a high threshold of pain. But the Bible says, He took our pain. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by men. Anyone here rejected before? Have you ever been rejected in the U.S. Embassy when you were applying for a visa? How did that feel? You know, I had a friend, he was rejected. He was applying, I think, for the fourth time already. And he said, I want to pass by that U.S. Embassy and throw a grenade. Anyway, <laughs> he said, don't do that, okay? That's terrorism. But anyway, because he felt so rejected. And, I, and he said, you know, what did I do? I have a job. And so, I, you know, try again. But rejection is real. Maybe some of us are rejected by the girl that we are pursuing. Ouch. Or maybe some of you are rejected because of a job you're applying. In other words, there are so many kinds of rejection that we go through. Me, personally, growing up, I got rejected when I was playing basketball because I was hoping to get into this team and no one picked me. <laughs> so I turned to volleyball. <laughs> anyway, rejection. Okay? And, you know, we go through life. And the Bible says, He was rejected by men. Jesus went through rejection. He went through being despised. He can feel and he knows your pain. He, he went through that. A man of sorrows. Anybody here who's gone through some sorrows? Who's gone through some difficult situation in life? You got so lonely. Maybe you're alone. Sorrowful mystery. We go through that. Acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces. He was, not, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely. Everybody say, surely. I love this word, surely. I married one. But anyway, surely. Surely he has borne our griefs. He carried our griefs. The Bible says to born or to, to bear is to carry a heavy load. And Jesus on that cross was carrying your load from you. Have you ever felt alone carrying your own problem? Have you ever felt like, Lord, where are you? I thought you're with me. The, the reality is, He is with you all along. And He is the one carrying your load with you and for you. In reality, if He did not carry your load, you're going to be dead by now. That's the reality. We are alive today by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Come on now. By the grace of God. 
we woke up this morning, the first sniff of air in our lungs is the grace of God. Some people did not wake up anymore. But you and I are alive today. Turn to the person beside you. You are blessed because you are alive. Sabi sa kanya, be grateful. Be grateful. Okay? Surely He has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Remember the last week we talked about uh, the scapegoat? Remember that picture? Remember when I was you know, uh, trying to uh, put into a picture the, the role of a high priest and there were two goats right here? And there's one goat that is killed instantly because it's a goat for God. And the second goat is called the scapegoat. And the priest would lay his hands on the scapegoat and basically confess the sins of the entire community. And so he would lead that scapegoat away from the community to carry off the burden of sin and guilt from them. That's exactly the picture of scapegoat. And Jesus was our scapegoat because he bore our iniquities. He bore our griefs. He bore our sorrows. He bore every effect of sin known to man. In fact, in Jesus Christ, we have a God who is not far away. We have a God who knows exactly what we're going through. Not only that, He went here on earth and He became just like us, came to us, entered our world, became one of us, and he carried our sorrows with, uh, with him on that cross. That's exactly the Savior and the Lord that we are serving. He bore our pains. You know, one time um, when the uh, Russian KGB was trying to eradicate religious beliefs or religious practices in Russia, there was a uh, KGB commander who went in one of the churches. And he saw one old lady who was really devoted to the statue of Jesus. And when he saw such devotion, because this old lady was kissing the feet of that carved image. And this commander asked this lady, and he said, Babushka, that's how they called old people, okay, or the old lady, Babushka, would you do the same thing for our general secretary of the Communist Party? And the old lady said, yes only if he will also be crucified, just like Jesus was crucified. There's no one like our God. Amen. He gave his life for us. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. He took our pain. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. I mean, what are you going through right now? What's your pain? What's your sorrow? What's your story? I believe that all of us have got a story. And I believe that if we learn to open up our life, He knows it anyway. If we just allow God to carry our crosses for us, we'll we'll actually be amazed on how easy it is for His grace to be there. You know, I was uh, struck by this particular story of uh, uh, Horatio uh, Stafford, who uh, who was actually a lawyer back in the 1800s. And I might get the, the name wrong. But uh, he was a lawyer who's also uh, had a real estate business. He and his wife have five children, four daughters, and one son. Unfortunately, one, unfortun- uh, one event happened in their family when their boy died. And so they were grieving because of that event. And so all of them had to go through a time of sorrow and a time of grief. Not long after that, about a couple of years after that, the great Chicago fire struck the, you know, the city. 
and most of the real estate uh, things that they own were burned to the ground. So they lost a son, they lost all the property, and because of this thing, you know, he said, I'm going to send the entire family for a short vacation or a respite, uh, a forlow in England. You know, D.L. Moody happens to be their friend, and so they want to, I guess, spend time with D.L. Moody. And so uh, this man said, I'm going to fix some things in Chicago while I send my entire family ahead of me. I'm going to meet them in England. And on the way, 1800s, there's no plane. On the way there, they took a ship. What happened to the ship? The ship collided with another boat. Tragedy after tragedy after tragedy happened to this man and to their family. Guess what happened? The wife was able to survive, but all the four daughters died in that event. They lost in in a span of a few years all their children, all their business. He and his wife were the only ones alive, and he said they would still continue their journey to England to be able to meet with D.L. Moody. You know what? As he was traveling in this ship, he actually wrote the lyrics of the song that is so familiar for us, for some of us. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And as he was going through pain and tragedy, that's exactly the lyrics that came out of this man's pen. And he was crying out, Lord, it is still well with my soul. Though I went through sorrow, though I went through grief, though I went through pain, I'm still able to declare that Jesus Christ is still worthy of my praise and my honor and my adoration. Amen? I mean, how do we respond to pain? How will we respond if sorrows or tragedy happen to us? I hope that we will respond by saying, Lord, you've gone through a deeper and greater sorrow than this. And I'm just here sharing the same load. You know, when we say He took our pain, it's not a promise that we will never go through pain anymore. How many of you know that we will still go go through trials? I promise you that. Jesus said, in this world there will be troubles. And He promised that. It's It's a part of life. But can you imagine if you go through troubles and you're not a Christian? What a hopeless world it will be. What a hopeless life it will be. But I praise God that we go through life in sometimes difficult situations because Jesus Christ is here and He is carrying our pain and our sorrows and trials as you go through the difficulties in life. Amen. Come on now. It is amazing what Christ has done for us on that cross. Secondly, not only did He take our pain, but He also took our punishment on that cross. The effect of sin is death. The first thing that he addressed on that cross was pain and sorrow and grief. He took the pain. He also took the punishment. In verse 5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. Another uh, translation says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities or sins. Upon him was the punishment or the chastisement that brought us peace. You know, we get to... You know, we get to enjoy the peace of God. And peace means nothing missing, nothing broken. We have the peace of God. Peace means being reconciled once again to the Father, and that's the peace of God. We're no longer in enmity before God. We're already reconciled with Him. And what was the price? His punishment. Jesus Christ did not just die on that cross. He punished and He, he was punished and He suffered on his way to the cross. Can you imagine? Okay na sana kung bugutan na lang siya ng ulo at wala siyang feeling. Right? 
but he had to go through each suffering. He was pierced, he was crushed, he was punished. By his stripes, the Bible says, we are healed. In fact, the description of this is his face was marred beyond human appearance. You will never recognize the face of Jesus anymore in Christ. What you've seen in the movie, The Passion of the Christ, is tame compared to the real scenario on that cross. It was like a piece of meat hanging on that cross. His skin was flayed because of the suffering that he had to go through because of your sins and mine. You know, think again. The next time you do sin, you know, anyway, Jesus Christ paid for this. He paid a deep price for that. And I hope that that will be a motivation for us enough to say no to sin and say yes to the plan of God. You know, it's amazing. The God that we serve is the only God who had a wound in His body. No other God is like Him. He's the only God who has wounds to show. When Jesus showed His resurrected body to Philip and to the rest of the apostles, they saw that His body had actually scars. And that was the resurrected body already. In fact, we get to see that same scarred body when we go to heaven someday. He is the God we serve, the God who paid a deep price because of the crime that you and I committed. He was sinless. He became man so that he can actually feel the pain. But yet he was fully God because you know what? In order for the transaction to be valid, one has got to be infinite because the the price is infinite. The wages of sin is infinite death. Not just physical death. It was infinite death. Can you imagine, for the sin that you have committed, you get to pay for it not just 100 years, not just 1 million years, not just 100 million years, not just 1 billion years. You know what infinity is? Never-ending years. As long (laughs) as it takes. That's infinity. That's eternal punishment for the sins that we have created. And yet Jesus, He is 100% man and 100% God because He had to take you know, the Godhead as well to pay such the price for the sins that we have committed. And one last thing I want to share as we, end, as we end this sermon. He took our place. And this is where the substitution happened. You know, not only did He take our pain, He also took our punishment but he also took our place. In fact, somebody once said that John, uh, sorry, Isaiah 53 verse 6 is the John chapter 3 verse 16 of the Old Testament because of the way that it leads us to salvation. Verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us. Can we read those uh, words, the one in yellow? One, two, three. Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Everyone has fallen fallen short before God. Everyone has committed a crime. Can you imagine the difficulty and the pain and the suffering of Christ on the cross? If you imagine yourself, if you get to live maybe 70, 80 years in this lifetime, can you imagine if you just commit at least three sins every day? That's about maybe a thousand sins for the year. 
times 80 on the average. That's 80,000 sins per person. How many persons live throughout eternity? That's exactly the amount of sin plus more because you are not yet dead, right? Tomorrow you may sin again. Hello? Jesus paid the price for your sins past, present, and future. And that has been accounted for. Amen. In the cross of Calvary. The weight of sin, the weight of the iniquity that we have all committed was actually put on Jesus. That's why once there happened when God had laid on his eyes on Jesus, he could not even look at Jesus. You know, the first time Jesus came out, he declared, look at my son in whom I am well pleased. But on that cross, guess what? Jesus, for the first time, did not address God as his father. Every time Jesus prayed, he would address God, my father. I came to do the will of my father. But yet for the first time, as he was carrying the cross of men, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time, God had to turn his face away from Jesus because he could not look at the sins of man upon him. He did not just carry sin. He became sin for us. That's exactly what happened on that cross. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, He Himself bore our sins on His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21 is what describes the vicarious substitution of the atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it says here, For our sake, He made Him to be sin. Can you imagine? He made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. He became sin as He was carrying the sin of men so that in Him we might what? Become. Everybody say become. The righteousness of God. That's where the divine exchange happened on that cross. You call it double imputation. Jesus took our sins he gave us His righteousness. We lost our sin on the cross. We got the righteousness of Christ. Amen. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, we get to appreciate this. I believe that not only did God just forgive us our sins, not only did He carry our sorrows and pain and griefs, not only did He take our place, but He blessed us as well. And this is what grace is all about. You know, grace is really getting what we don't deserve. Can you imagine this? What if you have a family member who was killed by a neighbor, brutally murdered, and instead of you bringing this neighbor of yours to the court, what you did was you invited him to a buffet dinner in Sofitel and treated him a nice buffet dinner. Not only that, you said to him, you know what, I realize that you don't have a job. I'm going to give you one of the best jobs in my company. I will now make you my vice president for marketing. And not only that, I will give you your own house, I will give you your own car, and I will actually bless you with a lot of compensation. How many of you know that that is so absurd? 
I mean, you are crazy if you're doing that. But that's exactly what we did to Jesus and God on the cross. We were rebels. We were criminals. We were the ones who put His Son on that cross. And yet, not only did He forgive us our sins, when you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, He wiped us clean as snow. And then after that, He set us to zero. But not only that, He blessed us even after that. He set us to a you know, a way or a, a journey of prosperity. And my last point really is He prospered us. Not only did He take our pain, not only did He take our punishment, He took our place, but at the same time, He prospered us. He did not just give us pardon. He gave us prosperity. He gave us peace. He gave us healing. He gave us a new life. He gave us salvation. He gave us grace. He gave us relationship. He gave us eternal life that we can actually enjoy Him forever. Amen. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross. My main point is this. Jesus suffered and He became a substitute for our sins. His desire is not only to forgive us our sins, but to bless each and every one of us. For us to turn away from our sins and turn back to God is already a blessing. But God wants to bless us more than that. He wants to bless you materially. He wants to bless you supernaturally. He wants to bless you spiritually. He wants to bless you emotionally, mentally, physically. So that you enjoy the gift of salvation that He purchased for us on that cross. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.